With a closer look at the news and events affecting Prince George, welcome to After 9 on 93.1 CFIS-FM. And it is a Tuesday morning's After 9 show on a... Hard to say. It's supposed to be mainly cloudy. I think there is a chance of some showers this morning. But, uh, we'll see what happens. Alan Wishart in the host chair, Steve on the board, just giving us a quick wave. And we are going to get things going right off the bat. Our first guest is already here. She was here nice and early. Yes. We we have had the occasional guest show up halfway through the morning citizen. And at that point, Steve and I are both usually kind of going, okay, what are we going to do if they don't get here? But it's nice to have Shannon Smith with the Elizabeth Fry Society. Good morning, Shannon. Good morning. I'm pleased to be here today. But uh, So now, first questions first, because it's been a while. What is the Elizabeth Fry Society? So the Elizabeth Fry Society um, is an agency that has been in Prince George for many years, over 30 years. And we provide services mainly to women, children, and families. Mm-hmm. Um, we have uh, an office here in Prince George, but we also have an office in Burns Lake. And we offer programming in Quenelle also. And our programming ranges from victim services, so folks who have been victims of crime, mm-hmm. to our emergency transition house that will um, support um, women and children who are fleeing abuse mm-hmm. or at risk of homelessness. We have a young parent program that provides services to young parenting um, individuals. We also provide the coordination for the South Fort George Family Resource Center, which is a, a very family-friendly mm-hmm. building that provides a, a broad continuum of services. And we also have a transition house in Burns Lake. We also have family programming in Burns Lake, stopping the violence, counseling, and such. So we have a wide spectrum of services and also um, housing as part of those services. Okay. So now, Burns Lake and Quinnell, um, nothing in Vanderhoof. Like, are there any plans for Vanderhoof, or do people in Vanderhoof tend to go to one of the other two? Um, kind of a combination of both. Um, Burns Lake came up in, in regards to uh, the transition house was the, the first mm. um, services that we started in Burns Lake, mm-hmm. and then we expanded into our office and such. Um, I would say in Vanderhoof, Vanderhoof has um, a, actually a wide variety of services mm. that are so. quite complementary, and we do work together. And if we have families that are, as we do, that travel up and down the corridor, mm-hmm. um, whether it be for family reasons, for medical reasons, or transitions, um, often it's nice to have those those places that we can refer to along the way, and including Burns Lake. Now, I worked in Burns Lake years ago at the paper, and I am just trying to remember, is the E. Fry Society house still right across from the police station there? Um, our our main office is right on the main yeah. um, the main the main road through yep. Burns Lake. Um, and currently in Burns Lake, I believe we have a staff of about eighteen people. Wow! Um, that work between our transition house and our main office. Okay. Now, how does that compare with Prince George? About how many people do you have here? In Prince George, we have about forty eight. Um, okay. staff members. So, and we have one staff person in Quinnell, mm-hmm. um, who does victim services work, um, in ah, that okay. space. So in total, we have at any given time around 60 employees. Wow. Mm-hmm. Now, is there a certain area that Elizabeth Fry Society out of Prince George covers? Like so many groups we hear, we are the northern so-and-so group, and I always say, okay, how do you define north? And, of course, a lot of times it's the northern health region as their boundaries. I'm thinking Elizabeth Fry Society, though, no, it's a much smaller area. Well, 
Well, and sometimes that's directed by contracts. Mm. So co- contracts might say, as part of your contact contract work, these are the areas that we're asking for you to cover. Um, okay. They could go out out of Prince George a little bit further. Mm-hmm. Some of them are much more um, right around Prince George. And certainly speaking, if if we like to feel that we're no wrong door. So if somebody mm-hmm. came in and and the, you know it was isolation or this is where they lived, we absolutely would would or would work and mm-hmm. try and and provide those services or to be able to provide that referral and that connection to the, the better fit where would be the closest elizabeth fry society offices outside prince george like i'm kind of guessing camloops camloops would be one camloops is there anything Vernon? up north like dawson creek fort um, st john anywhere up no, there? no not at this time okay. but there are elizabeth fry societies across canada yeah um so and and we do have a uh, a presence um an, an overarching mm-hmm. body in ottawa um, so, and, and there are regional representations as we move across the country. So it, again, it's, it's really a, a very supportive structure, mm-hmm. um, to, but each EFRI is an individual. Um, yeah. the programming is individual depending on the work the, that they want to, um, kind of spend their time in or the contracts that they have. So, but we are all kind of intertwined at the, at the, the top by a, a governing, um, source that provides amazing resources and does great advocacy in Ottawa. Mm-hmm. Now, it sounds as if a lot of your work is dealing with women and children who are in need for whatever reason. COVID probably made some changes in that. COVID was, I mean, has impacted all of oh, us. Oh, yes. Um, in, you know, from not only professional work, but also personal. Mm-hmm. And, and at times, you know, those are intertwined. Um, so we pivoted very quickly at mm-hmm. eFry um, and spent a, a fair bit of time creating safety plans. Um, we never actually stopped providing services. No. Um, so our, although our door was closed and, and needed to be screened to come in there and we did have staff working from home but we um, actually did not we were super fortunate and kept everybody working mm-hmm. um, and pivoted and moved people to working from home so working on their their work phone whether it be mm-hmm. texting zoom laptops mm-hmm. and it really kind of shifted to be much more technical than we yeah. had been um, and what we found is that it is a benefit mm-hmm. and it's certainly a strategy that we will continue to use um, even when people can start returning to our office because there are folks who are isolated. There are our folks that feel more comfortable connecting mm-hmm. um, via text, via Zoom from the comfort of their own house or whatever feels works for them. So it will now kind of, it opened our mm-hmm. eyes a bit and we will continue to be not only an in-person um, serving agency, but we will also be able to support more folks um, because now we are kind of a little bit more nimble mm-hmm. um, in, in how we <laughs> provide our our services um, for our clients. Did any of the facilities need to close for any length of time or were you able to basically keep all of them they, they may have to change. So, yeah. for example, at the family Re- at South Fort George Family Resource mm-hmm. Center, there was lots of group programming that occurs mm-hmm. out of there. So yeah. families could bring their children in for play groups and, and art. Mm-hmm. So, of course, we stopped those. Yeah. But very soon, we transitioned to some online stuff. And then we actually transitioned again into creating small cohorts mm-hmm. so, so mm-hmm. that families that already were were 
together or individual families could come in and we could set up a much smaller experience. Um, so that's okay. currently where we sit. And now we're just working and watching um, and mm-hmm. following the numbers and following the, the guidance um, from the provincial government and the, the public health in regards to when we can can make our next shift. So I guess that's one of the nice things is because when they laid out the roadmap last week, they had, well, it's no earlier than June 15th, mm-hmm. but they said June 15th, if we've reached these numbers for the number of people vaccinated and if the numbers are coming down in other areas, here's what you can then do. That must give you guys a little bit more freedom in making your plans. Yes. Um, and and the the direction actually from the beginning has been very helpful. Mm-hmm. And uh, although there is, you know, they can't account for every individual work site. Yeah. So it's it's about applying the regulations into how we operate and where we would like to be mm-hmm. um, through some really good safety planning, cleaning, and all of those pieces that have become our mm-hmm. new norm. <laughs> um, so it, it's just a matter of, and you're you're right. We have a bit of a roadmap now, and. We're we're, we try to think ahead and try to be prepared for when we can make that next shift to be able to invite um, individuals back into our programs. Now, let's shift focus a little okay. bit. <laughs> you were saying earlier there's two different groups here, Elizabeth Fry Society. Mm-hmm. And then we just add another word in there, Elizabeth Fry Housing Society. Yes, they are two separate yes. societies. Now, how many... Homes. How many housing? How many housing areas are there in Prince George right now? Okay, so currently in Prince George, um, we have Rainbow um, and um, Irwin and mm-hmm. Nexus, which is our second stage housing, and we have Efry Place, um, which is our seniors um, and folks with disabilities um, housing, which is downtown. Okay. So currently, and uh, over a hundred units in Prince George, and then we have our new build. Yes. <laughs> And that was one of the things that got me thinking about, I need to get somebody from E-Fry on. Because, of course, CFIS used to be down at the Community Arts Council mm-hmm. building, right upstairs. And every day we looked outside and there were all these walls going up all over the place. And since we moved downtown to Quebec and 3rd, I don't see them anymore. But every once in a while I drive down 15th and I'm going, holy cow. It has gone up very yes. quickly. Um, and a very beautiful building. So yeah. that is called My Sister's Place. Oh. So My Sister's Place is, um, we have our Amber House Transition House. Mm-hmm. And that building is a bit old and a bit tired. Mm-hmm. It, it has served us well for many, many years. Um, but it, it was requiring a lot of upkeep to keep moving forward. Yeah. So the building um, of My Sister's Place, the one that is the furthest along, um, when you drive around or drive to 14th Avenue, which is now yes. in behind, yeah. um, that is the transition house, the one furthest oh, okay. along. That's the one you can't really see when you're driving you down 15th. Really because there's this community art council yeah. stuff that's in the way. <laughs> yes. So um, that building is Amber House, which is okay. our will be an 18-bed facility transferring over from our current location. That move will happen in January Ooh. for those individuals. And also at, at the site, you will see pods. Mm-hmm. So we have um, 16 second stage um, units, and we have 21 townhouse units that will make up that community. Community. Wow. Um, so a real blend. Mm-hmm. Um, it is all um, um, 
for moderate to low income, so it's reference to yep. your income, um, and it is women-led tenancy. So these are these units will be for um, women with or without children, mm-hmm. um, and to really look at that continuum of stay between, say, Amber House, which is our emergency shelter, right. usually a stay around ninety days, and then potentially into second stage housing, which still provides some support to help folks get you know, kind of on their feet, Mm -hmm. settled, um, work through those, any challenges or any pieces and to support them to maintain tenancy. And then the ability to then have a look at, at any of our townhouse um, facilities, whether it be my sister's place, rainbow or Irwin. Wow. As, as a bit of a continuum of, of housing. So in theory, someone could come in, in need of aid right away, stay at the Amber house. Yes. When they're finished their stay there, when they've gotten themselves collected and everything again, they've got things sort of set, then they could just stay on that same property, basically, move to second stage. Yes. When they finish there, they can stay on that same property and move to one of the townhouses if there's one available. Yes, yes. Wow. So, you know, because everybody, we, we all know that, that having a home and that feeling mm-hmm. of, of having a home, a sense of belonging is is integral to, to our our kind of sustenance every day and certainly our families. Yeah. Um, so, you know, that's part of, of my sister's place mm. overarching value is is that um, it, it is a, a community of its own. Now, one thing I was wondering, because obviously when we were there, it was just all construction. So all kinds of mud, all kinds of concrete and stuff like that. Is there going to be any green space yes. in there? Good, because that's because yes. if you've got women with children, that's something yeah. they would like to have, yes. somewhere for the kids to play. There will be a playground. Um, and with, with any of these builds, um, as I've seen the drawings, um, mm-hmm. attention to greenery is important. Yes. So there's trees, there's shrubs, there's places for gardens, place, places for raised beds. Mm. Um, so again, getting into, you know, being part of a community and being able to be outside um, and being able to, to be part of your neighbor, your neighborhood mm-hmm. um, is, is, but yes, there will be lots of opportunity and also common rooms. So, yeah. so that folks could, you know, if they would like to host a, a birthday party, yeah. um, that they would have the ability to, to do that also. Okay. So you were saying the first set, the emergency shelter, if you will, hoping for January? Actually, all of it oh, will, will be ready, okay. um, wow. well underway in the, in the process, um, mm-hmm. by January. January, we were looking to kind of leave Amber House um, over Christmas mm-hmm. and just looking for that, that uh, after New Year yeah. kind of is a good time to start to have yeah. that shift. Um, but definitely all of the pods and, and all of the pieces that you currently see will be completed. Wow. Wow. So it will add it's, to housing in Prince George, yes. um, which is greatly needed. Um, and we're excited to be part of, of the housing community and expanding that. Okay. Shannon Smith with the Elizabeth Fry Society and the Elizabeth Fry Housing Society. 
how can people get more information? Like, is there a website people can go to? Or Yes, yes, we do have a website. We also have a Facebook page. Oh. Um, and um, we also, um, you know, people are welcome to phone if they have questions and inquiries. Mm-hmm. Um, I will say we're not quite at the point of accepting applications. We're mm-hmm. just creating yeah. all of that process. Um, so we're not quite there. But as soon as we are ready and, and to take on some families, we will let um, the community know. Mm-hmm. Um, and be ready to accept those families. Great. So, Shan, what is the website? Because I'm assuming that's where they can find all the other information. Yes, What's, just the PGE Fry. PGE Fry. Boy, mm-hmm. that's simple. Dot .ca or dot .com? I think it's dot .com. And actually, we're about to launch a new updated website. Oh, so keep that. Keep okay. a lookout for that. Yes. Um, we also, with the pandemic, we, we did our, realize... Mm that um, we need to be updated and we need to be um, kind of available and compatible to everything. So mm-hmm. we were just in the process of doing some website upgrades and we'll launch our new website here probably in the next two to three weeks. Holy cow. You guys are busy. We are busy. Shannon Smith, I'll let you get back to it then. Thank you very much for coming in and bringing us up to date on everything that's happening with Elizabeth Fry. Thank you for having me. Take a break. Be back with more after nine. Hi, this is the Wolfman. CFIS FM features two weekly shows dedicated to local musicians. Homegrown, Saturday night at 8, and Homegrown Light, Wednesday afternoon at 1. Both shows feature music and interviews from local artists performing and recording in our area. Homegrown features a mix of heavier sounds, and Homegrown Light focuses on the softer sounds. Check them out. Homegrown, Saturday night at 8, and Homegrown Light, Wednesday afternoon at 1. Only here on 93.1 CFIS FM. Since 2004, the mighty sound of Good Noise Vancouver Gospel Choir has connected the passion and power of gospel music with music lovers from Vancouver and beyond. Enjoy the best of classic gospel music with their spring concert, Good Noise Classic, Hope, Freedom, Joy. Today's the final day to catch this unique video concert project for the choir's 17th season. Good Noise Classic, Hope, Freedom, Joy, from the Good Noise Vancouver Gospel Choir. Tickets are available through goodnoisevgc.com. After one year off due to COVID, the Participation Community Better Challenge is back for 2021. Did you know everything gets better when you get active? Even communities participate in the challenge this June to get moving, connect with others, and help our community get crowned Canada's most active community. Learn more by visiting participation.com, then join in the Participation Community Better Challenge through June 30th. The Participation Community Better Challenge. Let's community better together. Forecast from Environment Canada. Cloudy today with a 30% chance of showers this morning, then a mix of sun and cloud. Wind from the south at 20 this afternoon, a high of 24 with a high UV index. Partly cloudy tonight, south winds becoming light this evening with a low of 10. For Wednesday, a mix of sun and cloud, becoming cloudy in the afternoon with a 30% chance of showers. Wind southwest 20 gusting to 40 in the afternoon, a high of 25 with a very high UV rating. It's after 9 on Prince George's Community Station, 93.1 CFIS-FM. And we are here. We, um, I'm just going to bring up to date on a couple of things happening in Prince George and the surrounding area. This, as a lot of people probably know, is Go By Bike Week in Prince George. And even just here at the uh, Q3 Creative Business Hub, I've noticed a couple of more people bringing their bikes to work, even just yesterday and today. We've got a couple who bring them anyways, 
but I've seen a couple of more, which is good. Now, um, Did you ride yours? I do not have a bike. Oh, okay. Yes. And I'm not sure. I mean, I live at Fifth and Tabor. The distance isn't that far. It's just that I need, I would be riding my bike at about four o'clock in the morning. And I'm not sure how safe that would be. <laughs> there's not much traffic, but you do have to cross the bypass. You've got to cross uh, Kearney. You know, there's a couple of fairly major intersections that you're crossing. Oh, you can handle it. I can. I just hope the people coming the other way can. <laughs> but um, the Go By Bike Week, they've got the promotion underway for people to ride their bikes to work and stuff. And they've got a bunch of prizes. They've got two grand prize bike packages uh, valued at $1,000 each. And you can register online or you can register at one of their little uh, check-in stations. And tomorrow, Wednesday, between 7 and 9, the check-in station is at Coop's Bikes on uh, Nicholson Street South. He doesn't know how safe it would be to ride his bike at 4 o'clock in the morning. This is the guy that will walk down here walk at here. that time of the morning. Mm-hmm. because But not ride his but bike. But not ride his bike because, nope. you know, that sounds like uh, someone who's just a little too lazy to bike around deciding that uh, I need an excuse. Wouldn't you rather get away on a bike than try to run away? Well, the other thing I have found... With my walking... Well, I think he's talking about the drivers at that yeah, time of the morning. Yeah. When I'm walking but. down here, I've noticed once you get across the bypass and you're heading down Fifth Avenue, there's a couple of nice, gentle slopes down towards downtown. Mm-hmm. Yeah. When you're going back, you're climbing Mount Everest. Yes. It's incredible how those slopes have changed yeah. in that short period of time. Way easier on bike, though. On oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. right. <laughs> um... The other thing with the Go By Bike Week was they did that man by machine. Man versus machine. Man versus machine. What happened there? On Saturday, well, they had the four people. Mayor Lynn Hall rode his motorcycle. Uh-huh. Councillor Kyle Sampson had an SUV. Ron Gallo, no big surprise here, was on a bike. And Jacob Mullen from, I think it's Ruckus? Yes. Was on an e-bike. Right. And they all left City Hall at, I think it was 1 o'clock Saturday afternoon. Mm-hmm. They had a specific route they had to follow, which yeah. basically took in all the check stops yep. that they're doing this week. Ended up over at Rainbow Park, and the winner was Mayor Lynn Hall on his motorcycle. Yeah, but I, I thought part of the reason oh. was to sort of see what kind of difference, difference in yeah. time. Mm-hmm. So um, Kyle Sampson, yeah. Kyle Sampson, the SUV was about a minute behind. Right. Ron Gallo with the bike yeah. was about five minutes behind the mayor. Okay. And Jacob Mullen on the e-bike was about nine minutes behind. So, yeah, not really that not much difference. Huge, not a huge difference. And, and that was a fair bit of yeah. traveling they did. And on Facebook, Ron Gallo posted, he said, I got caught at a couple of red lights that Lynn and uh, Kyle got through just got before through they changed, yeah. and I had to stop. Yeah, so that's an... So, uh, making his excuses well, right off the bat. You know, but I, it's legit. A red lights, that means it's two minutes right there. Yeah. That, oh, easy. So, yeah. And on a bike, of course, it is it is easier to stop at a red light because you're not moving as quickly. Yeah. Like, I yeah, don't know about you. You're, if you're uh, three yards away from a red light on a, on a, a bicycle, you're going to be stopping. Yeah. But if you're three yards away on <laughs> any a motorized vehicle, you're going through. You're yeah, going through. you've already started to step now on the gas. That's but. 
I shouldn't say red light, an amber. amber yes. Right? If it yes. turns amber and you're three yards away, yeah. it's, it's while you're going through because it's way too yep. way too soon. I remember. But uh, my thought was, well, why didn't he just turn right? <laughs> because he had a specific, had a specific path, path that he had, he had to follow. To go, yes. Right? But uh, no, because turn I right and take a different route. Okay, there you go. Years ago, when I was <laughs> getting you. my driver's license. <laughs> Um, through the park. The instructor with Young Drivers of Canada yeah. said, pick a spot as mm-hmm. you're coming up to an intersection with the light green. He said, pick a spot. If yeah. the light turns yellow, yellow before you get to that spot, that you can spot. stop. Yeah. If it doesn't, if it turns yellow, even just after you pass that spot, you're going through because you've already committed to yeah. that. And, of yeah, course, it depends on road conditions and stuff. Yeah, and, but, and that's that's what I always do. Is, yeah. Is I, coming up to a green light and it's still green and it's still green then I start to look at okay yeah. so where do I at what point uh, if I reach this point I'm going through yeah. if, I, if I don't then I'm stopping I don't think there's a lot of people I don't think that do that well I, I think well actually I think there's a lot of people who say Amber that light that light a, a block away yeah is green. I'm going to go through. It doesn't happen. I don't care yeah, what happens yeah. between now and then. I'm stepping on the gas now, and I'm going through. Yeah. But uh, well, demand on the highway is accelerate. Oh yeah, yeah. And they accelerate and, a uh, long way back. And yes. oddly, that's uh, where one of the highest highest yes. spots for accidents. accidents. Yes. Yeah. Surprise! 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 And just a reminder, this will be happening all summer, of course, but they've got their first two weekends out of the way, Hubble Homestead Historic Site. Uh-huh. Opened on the long weekend, and then this past weekend, they have a scaven- They had a scavenger hunt-themed activity. So again, something where you could have people out there, you could have families out there, but still be socially distanced. Uh-huh. And it will be interesting over the next little while just to hear from some of these groups how they are going to be adapting what they're doing to the new regulations that come in as they loosen up again. We hope. Yeah, yeah. Because that first one is, what, two weeks from today? Sound right? June 15th, I think, is the date for step two. Yeah. If the numbers uh, are good. June 15th, they look at it and they decide what the next step is, whether we can go forward. Yeah, they've sort of got them listed in terms of here's what they would be looking at on July 1st. Kind of leveled off a little bit the last few days, but... Uh, that sort of seems to be the way it, uh, it goes is, is you get a, a, a good week of declines yep. and then it's kind of levels off for a bit and then you get another mm-hmm. drop of numbers. So hopefully uh, the next few days we'll see some drops. Yeah. What we will do now is go to another break and we'll be back with more after nine. Supporting and pushing the not-for-profit sector forward is a priority at Vantage Point. They aim to work with others in the sector to mutually accomplish goals and create discussion around important topics. These are the values and goals of Vantage Point's membership community. When you become a Vantage Point member, your board, staff, and volunteers can participate in their advocacy work and convening efforts for the sector. Find out more through the membership link under join at thevantagepoint.ca. A strong membership gives the BC Schizophrenia Society a louder voice on matters of importance to families who have been affected by schizophrenia, psychosis, and severe mental illness. For an annual individual membership of $15, you will have the opportunity to voice your opinions and vote at their annual general meeting on issues brought forward by the board of directors and vote for the following year's directors. To get your membership, click on Become a BCSS Member under Make a Difference at bcss.org. 
The government of BC has expanded its Launch Online Grant Program. The program will now provide up to $75,000 to help businesses build or expand an e-commerce site. Businesses in the hard-hit tourism sector and the service industry can now access the grant to build or improve their online booking systems. Small and medium-sized businesses can apply online and review eligibility criteria at launchonline.ca. The Launch Online Grant Program. Application deadline is September 30th or until funds have been fully subscribed, so don't delay. Since the BC Schizophrenia Society's podcast, Look Again, Mental Illness Reexamined launched, it's been full steam ahead. With a new episode released every two weeks, the podcast has been bringing attention to some new and old issues relevant to people affected by schizophrenia. Helping challenge the misinformation surrounding the serious mental illness, check out current and past editions of Look Again, Mental Illness Reexamined through the podcast link under education at bcss.org. The BC Schizophrenia Society, a reason to hope, the means to cope. Featuring the people who make things happen in Prince George, you're listening to After 9 on 93.1 CFIS-FM. And this breaking news just in from Edmonton, and no, it has nothing to do with the Oilers. The CFL team, previously known as the Eskimos, has a new name for the upcoming season, if there is one. The Edmonton Elk. Mm-hmm. Washington uh, still hasn't come up with the. They're, they're just going they're, with. They're, the they're apparently it's going to go with the Washington football, football te- team. Yeah, team, yeah. yes. Mm-hmm. So I was thinking maybe Edmonton should have done that. Just to <laughs> start a new trend. Yeah, the, the Edmonton think, team, the Edmonton football team. Yeah, I think they should have gone with the Edmonton Rough Riders. Yes, I mean let's let's see if we yeah, can really confuse to, things. Get back to the old days when we had yeah. more than one Rough Rider team. Yeah. In the, yeah, have all eight or nine teams be called the Rough Riders? Yeah, yeah. No? Okay. Hockey. Mm-hmm. Let's just go straight to the, cut this straight to the chase. Montreal, Winnipeg. Yes. Next series. Who wins how many games? <laughs> I, I haven't even looked at it that close. <laughs> and and just off the top, I'd say uh, Winnipeg. But the way Montreal played against Toronto, I, I, I'm just sort of like, wow. Yeah. I. You know, so you got to kind of have to predict Winnipeg, but it's, yeah, no. kind of a toss up, I think. Steve? Uh, goaltending duel. Okay, uh, that doesn't. Hellebuck <laughs> is, is a good goaltender yeah. for yes. sure. Goaltending duel, but I, I truly believe because of the way Winnipeg came back in their series, mm-hmm. uh, now have that, that little upper confidence. I think, uh, Winnipeg in six. Okay. Yeah. I was going to say Winnipeg in six as well. Um, to me, the big game is tomorrow night, I guess it is. Is game one? Yes. Already? They played, they played last night. Yes. They only take one yeah, day. they're only taking wow. one, one day off. They probably will have to because yeah. the American series are already, and, and some this, of them are into game three. back to why the heck didn't they start the Toronto series, Toronto-Montreal series earlier? Yeah. It, it just... Yeah, they had, what, just over a week off. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. It, they could have played any time after that last Saturday game that had Edmonton against Vancouver, I think it That's was. That's what it yeah. was, yeah. Right? Yeah. They could have started... Uh, the Toronto Montreal series the next day. Yep. Because really, the Vancouver Calgary games meant nothing well, those to are, no, no one. There was yeah. four or five games that were just was, being run. Yeah, I think those there was were, three those of them. Those were yeah. three. But, yeah. yeah. But they waited till the Thursday. 
And, and why even wait to the Thursday when the other Canadian series started on the Wednesday? Yeah. So it just, I, no. I don't know. I shake my head and, and think, what the heck are they thinking? So now you're just getting, trying to get the second round series done in the north while you've got uh, two games uh, yeah. under their belt in, in some of the other series. Um, another interesting note is that the North Division has the third-place team against the fourth-place team. Mm-hmm. And uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but also the uh, the Eastern Division has the third-place team against the fourth-place team. Wouldn't be surprised because, again, yeah. when you're playing all your games inside the division... You because, know your opponents. Uh, Boston was against Washington. Yep. And Washington, I think, finished first in that one. Mm-hmm, as and usual. The, and the Islanders and Pitts. was against Pittsburgh, and Pittsburgh finished second. Yep. So that's kind of interesting. <laughs> You've got two yeah. divisions where the number three and four teams have advanced. Both got through. Yeah. yeah. The game tomorrow night, the part I'll be interested in sort of watching is... How is Montreal set up psychologically as much as anything? Because these last three games, it wasn't just we're down three games to one. Oh, now we're down three games to two. We've got a mm-hmm. glimmer of hope. Now it's three all. Yes, it's yeah. one game. But it was also we're playing Toronto. Now yeah, all of a sudden it's yeah, we're playing Winnipeg. We're, we're, yeah. <laughs> well, it, it might take them a, a game or two yeah. to get mentally into the next series. Yeah. Because, and, yeah, they're going to be... They're going to just be Oof. kind of exhausted yeah. as far as... Uh, but realistically, I don't think they'll be changing their game plan at all. No. Uh, Rely Winnipeg, on Kerry. Winnipeg has some some uh, uh, strong offensive players mm-hmm. that, again, they're going to have to play very tight against and try and shut them down. And, yeah, they and I don't think they'll do the, uh, uh, the Vegas move Mm -hmm. and start their set number two goaltender to give their number one goaltender a rest. Yeah. (laughs) And the funny thing is, uh, hindsight 2020, there was the, the, the games back to back for the Toronto Montreal series. And in the second of those two, I thought Carey Price looked less than on his game. Yep. That's where you could have put in your Jake Allen, Mm -hmm. you know, Mm -hmm. but, uh, Vegas, putting Leonard in for game one in the in the <laughs> other series, I, I just looked at that and I thought, wow, that's... That was boggling. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, I, I mean, sure, uh, Fleury's an older player, but usually you get into the playoffs, one day off is plenty. Yeah, because right? that's what you're used to for the most part. Is yeah. Playoffs, it's... Well, and especially this game, season. Take a day off, Like game. the regular season, that's the yeah. way it was, too. And so. playoff-wise, over the last two, three years, he's Sean. Like, oh, yeah. He's, like, he's... he's He's a good goalie, like oh yeah, 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 and he can carry a team. Well, Flurry well, lives for the playoffs. Yeah, Flurry and uh, uh, and uh, Carey Price both mm-hmm. uh, veteran players who you know that, and we saw this in the Toronto series where uh, as soon as it looked like the game was changing to Montreal's f- favor, yeah. it was shut the door. Yeah. It was done. Yeah, okay. Well, I think our guest for our next portion is here, so we're going to wrap things up. Everybody can pay attention to hockey themselves as they wish to. We're going to go to a break on After 9. The Alzheimer's Society of BC is continuing its series of online webinars. Everyone's encouraged to learn more about dementia and its stark impact on Canadians through their website, alzbc.org. 
While you're there, you can register for free webinars and watch previous presentations. The next webinar is Living Safely with Dementia, Wednesday from 2 to 3. The Alzheimer's Society of BC, bringing you support and information about dementia at lazbc.org. The Scotiabank Vancouver Half Marathon and 5K Virtual Race is on from June 2nd through July 5th this year. Known for its scenic oceanside routes, choose the charity you'll support as you walk or run 5K, 10K, or a half marathon. There's also a 1K kids race. Full details are available through the Walk or Run in the Scotiabank Charity Challenge link under Make a Difference at bcss.org. The Scotiabank Vancouver Half Marathon, part of the Scotiabank Charity Challenge, June 2nd through July 5th in Vancouver. The Indigenous Sport, Physical Activity and Recreation Council is looking for a finance manager. Reporting to the Chief Executive Officer, the financial manager oversees all financial processes for iSpark and is responsible for reporting of the organization's overall financial performance. This is a full-time permanent position based out of South Vancouver Island. Full details are available through iSpark.ca. That's iSpark looking for a finance manager to work out of the Victoria area. Applications will be accepted until the position is filled. Forecast from Environment Canada. Cloudy today with a 30% chance of showers this morning, then a mix of sun and cloud. Winds from the south at 20 this afternoon, a high of 24 with a high UV index. Partly cloudy tonight, south winds becoming light this evening with a low of 10. For Wednesday, a mix of sun and cloud, becoming cloudy in the afternoon with a 30% chance of showers. Winds southwest 20 gusting to 40 in the afternoon, a high of 25 with a very high UV rating. Thank you for tuning in and staying tuned to After 9 on 93.1 CFIS-FM. A lot of different events, of course, still facing challenges, if you will, during the pandemic era. And one of them is the... um, Kidney Foundation Kidney Walk. Uh, Paul Ravel from the local Kidney Foundation joins us. Good morning, Paul. Good morning, Alan. Thanks for having me. Um, so now, the kidney walk, when is it and how is it happening? Because I'm guessing it's not going to be 50,000 people getting together for a walk. Nope, um, exactly. The kidney walk is coming up this Sunday, uh, mm-hmm. June 6th. Yeah. Uh, again, like most walks uh, over the past couple of years, it, it will be a virtual walk. Uh, we did have our first one in uh, 2020 or twenty. Yeah, 2020, 2020 on yeah. that one. And uh, we actually amalgamated with the other uh, three walks across Western Canada, which we're oh. do, uh, doing again this year. So it'll be BC Yukon, uh, Alberta and Saskatchewan all participating in the virtual walk on uh, Sunday, June 9th. Uh, June 6th. At, uh, June 6th, I should yeah. say. <laughs> it uh, starts at 9 a.m. Pacific time, and it'll be broadcast on both YouTube and our Kidney Walk Facebook page. So when you say it'll be broadcast, are you asking the people who are taking part in the walk so they can have their iPhones or their little handheld cameras or whatever with them and video themselves taking part in the walk? Or we defi- is there- Yeah, we definitely encourage people to get out and walk for mm-hmm. anybody who they might know that might have uh, kidney disease mm-hmm. or just uh, support those who do have kidney disease. Um, our walk Facebook page, kidneywalk.ca, is been really strong this year. We've got a lot of good participants, and uh, and the funding is going fairly well. But we definitely encourage more people to get on the uh, the Kidney Walk uh, website and donate if they can. Now, is there any sort of a recommended length that people should be looking at walking? Because I know the Kidney Walk in previous years it was along a certain 
path. So there was sort of a certain length of the walk. Is is that sort of thing, or is it just if all you want to do is walk to the end of your driveway and back? That's great. Exactly. We encourage people to do whatever they're comfortable doing with. Mm-hmm. If they want to walk around the block, great. If they want to walk further to show their support for uh, kidney patients, even even better on that mm-hmm. one. But, uh, yeah, we're just encouraging everybody to get out, uh, do a good, healthy walk, which is part of the kidney mandate, is we want people to, to be healthy, mm-hmm. uh, be aware of their health, and, uh, and bring awareness of uh, kidney disease to the rest of the population. Now, do you have any idea how many people in Prince George are going to be taking part at this point, even though you're not going to be together, obviously? Yeah, unfortunately this year, uh, again, being virtual, we don't really have any indication. Uh, We do have a good, strong membership up here in Prince George, and uh, we're encouraging all our members to get out and and do some sort of activity. It doesn't even have to be a walk. If nothing else, just get on your deck and and cheer the people on Mm -hmm. uh, who might be going for a walk. But uh, (laughs) again, yeah, it's it's going to be variable right across western canada some areas are, are doing a little bit longer walk um but uh yeah whatever you're comfortable with and now this is a fundraiser for the kidney foundation it, how do you how do you raise funds like if i just walk from my place into my driveway and back i don't know how that raises funds how does that work it's not really the walk itself this year. Um, mm-hmm. Again, we're encouraging people to go on our, our walk site, which is kidneywalk.ca. Um, you can donate uh, by just clicking the green donate button, mm-hmm. and uh, you can choose your area. We we encourage people to go on to the BC and Yukon site mm-hmm. for sure. Yes. And uh, within that one, uh, there are 16 walk locations in BC, wow. Yukon. Um, and if they can support the Prince George walk, so much the better on, mm-hmm. on that one. But again, it's just a simple online donation process for people um you get basically a tax receipt if you do do a donation over twenty dollars so uh, a little bit of an incentive there (laughs) for for people to donate and uh, most importantly the kidney walk is is the big kidney foundation fundraiser Mm. across canada um with the funds going to basically help people with uh, kidney disease so research education and most importantly uh patient support services now, if you're going online, you were saying, obviously, okay, first off, you got to go to the BC Yukon one. Yes. Then go to the Prince George one. When you get that far, can you see a list of the people who are registered in Prince George? Exactly. So that you could, you might glance down and say, oh, wait a second. I know, I know her. I'll put my, I'll, I'll give her my money rather than just give it to the group as a whole. For sure, Alan. Uh, that's okay. we have a list of all the teams and participants mm-hmm. in in the Prince George area, so you can actually even form your own team if you if you want to wow. and uh, raise funds that way. But if you're not comfortable doing that one, uh, we definitely encourage people to. If, like you said, if you know somebody the name I recognize or a mm-hmm. team name you recognize, get on that and uh, make the donation. Wow! So there's plenty of ways that you can help, even if you're not going to be walking yourself. Exactly. Yep. Now. This may seem like a very obvious question, but sometimes the most obvious questions are the ones that people forget about. If you're not directly involved with kidney problems yourself or knowing someone in your family who has kidney problems, you can still walk. We we sure can on that one. People don't realize that... Uh Kidney disease is a silent disease, and mm. um, right now it affects 1 in 10 people in Canada, so um, 
potentially 10% of all Canadians will be affected by some sort of kidney disease during their lifetime. So even if you don't have kidney disease or if somebody in your family or a friend doesn't have kidney disease, there's probably somebody out there you know that mm-hmm. at some point in their life may be affected by uh, this uh, disease. Wow. Okay, Paul, we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to talk some more more about the Kidney Foundation itself, I think. Perfect. We're going to come back after 9. Quick question for you. What's one of the most important factors in any organization? If you said people, you would most certainly be correct. Having the right people driving an organization is crucial, and it all starts at onboarding. Vantage Point's employee onboarding checklist helps ensure effective onboarding, which can lead to increased performance, retention, and engagement. To download the checklist, search for onboarding through the downloadable resources link under media at thevantagepoint.ca. Next time you're out on the ocean, help save whales by reporting any sightings using the Whale Report app. By making submissions, you're contributing to the OceanWise BC Sighting Network, a database of more than 130,000 whale sightings spanning more than 50 years. This provides researchers with critical information about the health of whales, dolphins, porpoises, and sea turtles in the BC waters. For more information or to download the Whale Report app, visit the OceanWise website at ocean.org. Go by Bike Week is back for 2021. Hosted by the Prince George Cycling Club, Go by Bike Week is on through Sunday. There's a new format for this year's event with different checkpoints each day where cyclists can register to win daily prizes as well as a chance at two grand prizes valued at $1,000 each. Full details on this year's Go by Bike Week are available at gobybikebc.ca slash prince-george. Go by Bike Week on through Sunday across B.C. For the second consecutive year, the University of Northern British Columbia will hold virtual convocation celebrations for its graduating class. The processes for completing graduation requirements are still the same, and all UNBC graduates in the class of 2021 from all campuses are invited to participate. More information about UNBC's 2021 convocation can be found at unbc.ca slash convocation. The University of Northern British Columbia class of 2021 virtual convocation, premiering June 25th at UNBC. This is After 9 on Prince George's Community Station, 93.1 CFIS-FM. So, Paul, we've been talking about the Kidney Walk coming up on Sunday. And I guess the next question, one last question on that, do people have to walk at that time or can they walk whenever they want? They basically? can walk whenever oh, they good. want. Okay. That one. Yep, there, there's no obligation. We'd... Uh, Again, when if people are comfortable walking and taking a video and posting it on our Kidney Walk Facebook page, so much the better. The huh? the more people we can see out there that are, are walking to support the Kidney Foundation, the better. Now, Kidney Foundation, as you were saying, 1 in 10 Canadians estimated to be affected by kidney disease of some sort at some time during their life. How how has COVID changed the way people can cope with that? Because I'm thinking I know a number of people who need to be on dialysis. What happened with dialysis machines when COVID came along? It's still prevalent, unfortunately, with no. the, the pandemic. It uh, it it's 
basically forced people to be a little bit more aware of their surroundings. Mm -hmm. Um, In Prince George, we've got some really good options for people who uh, need kidney treatment. So we've got the hospital dialysis unit Mm -hmm. up at the uh, University Hospital. Uh, And then in Parkwood, there's also uh, what Mm -hmm. we call a home dialysis unit where people can be trained to do dialysis in their home if they want to, um, which, uh, again, is another part of the the kidney foundation mandate and where part of the funds go the um the kidney foundation has a northern travel program where they'll bring people in from outlying Mm -hmm. areas into prince george Mm -hmm. to train to do home dialysis down at the parkwood unit so uh, again people are a little bit more cautious uh we did have one of our members uh do a transplant down in um Vancouver in November, and uh, normally they're down there for one to three months, but because of COVID, they she had to come back a little bit sooner than yeah. uh, would normally be advantageous in a, in a situation like that one. So it's a, people are a little bit more cautious, but uh, unfortunately, mm-hmm. with with people needing treatment, um, it's it still has to be done in one way or another. Yeah. So were there some people though who, if they needed treatment like an operation or something and it wasn't absolutely needs to be done today were there times where because the hospitals were so full a kidney treatment might get moved back just a little bit like people would keep an eye on it just to make sure it didn't become anything worse but was that happening at times exactly yeah. on that one yeah they, they again they've got a really good renal or kidney unit here in mm-hmm. bc so the kidney doctors the nurses the social workers they're a little bit more cognizant of the fact that uh they've got to be more in touch with the patient's needs and and adjust accordingly so we've got the dialysis units you were saying uhnbc we've got I'm assuming we've got good renal physicians at UHNBC as well, but then also down on the lower mainland. Was there more possibly of the um, the Zoom-type stuff happening with patients needing to consult with a doctor in, say, Vancouver, but obviously they couldn't go down there? So did, did a lot of them do those consultations by Zoom? Yeah, huge, huge change in that Mm -hmm. way, Alan. Uh, Again, where people might go down to Vancouver for their initial consultation with, say, uh, a transplant doctor, a social mm-hmm. worker, a renal nurse on that one. Like you said, now they're they're doing that initial consultation and a lot of follow-up consultations yeah. uh, through Zoom or Skype or, or one of the, the video services on that one till the point where they actually need to go down to Vancouver to get uh, any further testing done. Mm-hmm. So is that something that you would see possibly continuing even after COVID simply because it, it makes things a little bit easier on the patient not having to be traveling all the time if they can do those initial consultations by Zoom from Prince George with the people in Vancouver? Oh, huge factor. Uh, mm-hmm. Again, in, uh, I could see it uh, keep going over the years on that one again it's just more advantageous for everybody more cost effective for the healthcare system and especially the fact that uh, like i said it's not only northern bc but you get people from the island who might not necessarily mm-hmm. have the means to get over to vancouver so um yeah it's i my feeling is it's something that will continue on in the future now at uhnbc on a like it's difficult to do this but on a scale of, say one to ten in terms of um, difficulty of a uh, 
kidney transplant or whatever, what level can they do at UHNBC? And is there a certain point at which they say, no, we either, A, we do not have a doctor who is comfortable doing something of that nature, or we do not have the facilities to do it, and you are going to have to go to Vancouver. Yeah, right now, University Hospital is just a treatment facility. Oh. Any, any transplants in BC mm-hmm. are either done at St. Paul's or Vancouver General Hospital because, okay. again, they've got the transplant yeah. specialists and the the complete healthcare team down at, at those two facilities to uh, basically help with the uh, kidney transplant and uh, and the recovery process um, in Vancouver is, is a lot more advantageous than yeah. than bringing them out uh, back to the outlying areas sometimes. So. At some point, anybody in Prince George or anybody else in the province who gets to the point where they need a transplant, they are going to be going to Vancouver. It's that simple. Exactly. Yep. There's, okay. there's unfortunately no options in that case. Yeah. But then they can come back after that initial recovery period in Vancouver. They can come back home, like Prince George or whatever, for a lot of the end recovery stages, shall we say. Exactly. The post, post-treatment yeah. plan. Trans, uh, post-transplant treatment can be done almost anywhere. It's mm-hmm. Usually with transplants, uh, a patient is down in Vancouver for one to three months, and uh, the Kidney Foundation has um, what we call kidney suites down there that provide low-cost mm-hmm. accommodations to people recovering from transplants. So that's where more of the funds go from uh, yeah. activities like our walk. But, uh, yeah, once they, they've got the clearance from the transplant specialist down in Vancouver, they can return to their home communities. Um, they'll be on a, a generally a medication type of process for up to a year, year and a half, mm-hmm. uh, which gradually decreases. But, uh, again, right across BC with the number of uh, treatment centers that we've got in various hospitals, uh, patients come back to their home community and live probably a better life than, in fact, they will live a better life than what they had uh, before the pre, uh, pre-transplant. Yeah. Okay. So again, Paul, one more time, kidney walk, when is it? We, I won't ask where is it because it's obviously anywhere you want to be, but when is it and what's the website for people to go to? Yeah, again, uh, it'll be this Sunday, June 6th. Uh, again, we're starting at 9 Pacific uh, Standard mm-hmm. Time on YouTube or our Facebook page. And if anybody wants to donate, they can go to our website, www.kidneywalk.ca. Great. Paul Ravel with the Kidney Foundation. Thank you very much for coming in and bringing us up to date. Thanks, Alan. And again, we appreciate uh, CFIS being the media sponsor for the walk this year. And I appreciate the fact that you were able to find our new location. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Um, That'll about do it for today's show. I will be back on um, tomorrow. Uh, The only guest I've got lined up for sure, I've got a couple of other ones who were maybes at this point. But I'm going to be speaking with Mark Cardiluoto from College of New Caledonia about the new five-year plan that they just introduced. And one of the key things we're going to be doing, at least I'm going to be doing, is learning how to pronounce the Dekel language equivalents for some of the uh, parts of it. So I think what I will probably do is try to pronounce each of them just once and then make my apologies and go back to using the English. But that is coming up tomorrow after 9. 
After 9 is a daily presentation of CFIS-FM. After 9 is produced by Alan Wishart, Reg Fair, and Nathan Gita. Additional contributors include CBC News and the National Campus and Community Radio Association. For a rebroadcast of today's program, check out the podcast link at cfisfm.ca. To provide feedback or suggestions for the show, please email cfisfm at yahoo.ca. You're listening to Boomer Radio 93.1 CFISFM. Proudly sponsored by Two Rivers Gallery, where creativity flows in the Civic Plaza.